Welcome. You've tuned into Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I am Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is for awakening souls, developing intuition, and fulfilling purpose. This is episode number 26 already. Today we'll talk about the miracles of healing. Of course, all miracles are ultimately healing miracles, aren't they? No matter what kind of miracle you might experience, it heals not only you, and whoever else may be involved in the miracle, but also those who know you. At least, that's always been our experience. Michael and I have personally experienced, as well as have been witness to so many miracles in our lives that we have long lost count. One, two, five, (laughs) hundred. (laughs) And the miracles of people around us, too. Yeah. In fact, how can we catalog miracles because their very nature goes beyond time and space. Every miracle ripples across time and space and continues to impact us, long past when the so-called event happens. I've never known a miracle to not have a lasting impact on a person's life who experiences it. I know that whether miracles happen to me, Michael, another family member, or one of our students or friends, it has a profound impact on me. Miracles transform us from who we thought we were into much more of who we truly are. Miracles lead us step by step to who we are as limitless spiritual beings. What can be more healing than that? I love the subject of miracles. It's one of my favorites. There are all kinds of miracles. They come in all shapes, sizes, and colors, just like people. The amazing thing is that they all seem custom-made for each of us who has them. It could be a complete miracle that the total underdog, the one least likely to win a race or get accepted into an elite program, ends up succeeding. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) That not only transforms that underdog, but all the rest of us who witness it. History is replete with examples of those kinds of miracles. I'm sure there have been countless miracle births of babies against all odds. During a bombing raid, we actually know someone who was born during a bombing raid. In a crowded subway... When there are no midwives or doctors to help the deliver, in mid-flight, in a plane, and so many more variations. For most parents, a normal birth is a complete miracle in and of itself. And sure, (laughs) life-changing. That's for sure. Of course, there are countless stories of what most people would consider as miracle healings of physical conditions. The blind could see, the deaf could hear, the lame could walk. The stage five cancer disappears. Broken bones are instantly mended, burns are reversed, and even warts spontaneously go away. I've experienced all of those (laughs) one way or the other. Yes, indeed. 
Then there are near-death experiences like those that Michael has gone through along with thousands of others in the world. The person's heart stops beating, he stops breathing, and at times the brain even stops registering any activity. Then, whether a few minutes later or hours later, the person spontaneously returns to physical life. Wouldn't they be considered miracles of healing? They certainly have a major healing effect not only on the person having the near-death experience, but on everyone who knows him or her. Many have written books about NDEs, as they're called, near-death experiences, such as Anita Morjani's Dying to Be Me. There are less dramatic but equally healing miracles we experience as well. When you're strapped for cash and stacks of bills to pay and out of nowhere enough money arrives to get you out of hot water. When a relationship is at an impasse or seemingly stuck beyond repair and something happens to turn it around. Whatever the situation is, miracles take you out of the box of history. It takes you out of time. According to what you know from all your past experiences, it couldn't happen, but it did. That's why we can't logically figure out how to have a particular miracle. We never experienced it before, yet that doesn't mean we couldn't have the certainty that there is a miracle that is needed to solve the seemingly hopeless or unsolvable situation. That's why Michael and I decided to have this radio show to share with you what it is to live the miracle and how you too can start to do so. Of course, if I cut my finger, I wash it, put some antibacterial on it, and put on a bandage. I don't generally pray for a miracle for my finger to stop the little bleeding or seal the cut. But if it's a pretty bad cut, I do give myself an energy healing to accelerate the healing process after I apply the bandage. Miracles are inclusive. It's never either or. It never demands that you ignorantly do nothing and hope for a miracle. In fact, that usually is a surefire way to not have a miracle. As it is said, God loves a cheerful giver. We have to do what we know is correct for ourselves in any situation, and then, if that's not enough, a miracle is readily available to us. Miracles are usually, I should change that to, miracles are totally non-denominational. Your skin color, nationality, gender, political views, religion, socioeconomic status, or lifestyle does not come into play. It doesn't even matter whether you've been good or bad. God or spirit never plays favorite. If you open up to that which gives everything, you'll receive what you need. It's a miracle, but it may not be what you expect or demand. Yeah, that's my experience. In so many miracles, I have to be reminded sometimes of the miracles that I've gone through, experienced, been part of by someone else. I remember one time I was on a a national TV show, a TV talk show about alternative healing. And then during the course of the the show, uh, when I was on, uh, a friend of ours and someone who was a former student of mine years before stands up in the TV uh, studio and says, 
uh, tells of a story of him witnessing a miracle that I was part of. I was giving a, a healing and a, a reading to this young woman. I think she was about 19, 20 years old. And um, she was blind. She she walked in with the cane and, and uh, with help and everything and sat down and I started to take a look at her. And she wasn't, she was so, how should I say, she's been blind since she was, I think, 10 or 11 years old, uh, maybe a little earlier. So it was her life. She She's accepted the fact that she was blind. So she didn't even ask me about her blindness at all. She was asking about some relationship uh, challenges she was going through. And so as I was looking at that, I saw a situation in her early childhood, uh, and I asked her about that, and I said, this is what happened. And she just stopped, and she said, yes. And and then I just took away the uh, mental image that was in her mind of the trauma that she experienced. It was a kind of a psychological, emotional trauma, not a physical one. And when I took that image away, and she got very quiet at first, and I had my eyes closed, so I, I wasn't looking at her facial expressions or anything like that. But she stopped talking, and so I opened my eyes to look at her to see what happened, and she was she had her eyes open, and she was looking above my head and a little bit to the side, and I was wondering what she was doing, and she goes, and she starts to say something, and she's reading the text on this uh, poster that was hanging on the wall behind me, you know, quite a bit behind me. And she said, I can see everything. I can read everything. And, and then she started crying, and I had forgotten about this amazing miracle of this young lady. And she, she started to tell us the whole story of what, what happened and blah, blah, blah. But she was able to see completely normally uh, ever since. And she had been blind since she was about eight years old. So, so you know, that's being blind for like 11 or 12 years. Amazing, isn't it? That was just one miracle, but I, I didn't even remember that. <laughs> what happened <laughs> was the TV producer was asking uh, questions and was hemming and hawing about uh, healing and and what she considered, you know, real healing. And so I can see her uh, images in her mind as she was asking this. So I laughed. I said, oh, you mean, have I, you know, healed the lame and to, until they can walk and the blind until they can see? And, and I laughed and she said, yeah, well, that's pretty much what we're looking for. And I said, no, um, uh, no, I, I've never done that. But then it turned out <laughs> that you had that I had, <laughs> and and there's been so many times. One time, this old man uh, walks up to me at the end of a, a wedding reception that I was officiating as a minister, and the person, the the uh, bride who was getting married, was one of my students, and so she asked me if I would be the minister. So it was a great wedding, small, 
And a lot of people wanted to talk to me afterwards in the reception time. But I kept on seeing this old man walking up toward me, and I couldn't tell he wanted to talk to me. I didn't know who he was. and But as he came closer, there's always somebody enthusiastically just didn't realize somebody was about to uh, approach me and just cut in and start talking and asking questions and all this. And so when I looked up after I talked with this other person, and he would be gone. And that happened several times during the day. And finally, uh, it was starting to become evening. Most people were starting to go home. And I was getting prepared to get, get you know, get going. And finally, he comes up and there's no one else around. He walks up and I said, oh, yeah, I know you've been wanting to talk to me for a while today. And I put my hand out and he puts his hands out. He said, yes, I just want to shake my hands and introduce myself to you. And he shakes my hand and something happens where what I see and experience, we're enveloped in this tremendous light, this energy, this golden energy. And something happens and he looks at me bright eyed and he smiles and he tells me his name and says, that's all I wanted. I just wanted to meet you and introduce myself to you. Thank you very much. And I said, wait a minute. You've been trying to talk to me. I know this is all you wanted, but I have time now. I don't, there's nobody else. Uh, I'd love to talk to you and find out who you are and everything. And, and he says, oh, no, my ride is waiting for me, so I need to get going. Thank you very much. Well, it turns out three days later, the bride uh, calls me long distance from her honeymoon. <laughs> and she said, you created a miracle. I said, what do you mean? He says, you know that old man who, who came and shook your hands and introduced himself to you? I said, yeah, right at the end of the reception. And she said, yes, he's an old family friend of ours. And I told him to come to the wedding uh, because he's been diagnosed uh, with uh, prostate cancer that, that it was pretty far along. And he was going to have uh, emergency surgery on Monday uh, after the weekend, wedding weekend, and to get it removed. Well, he went in Monday, told the doctors they have to run all the tests again because he knows he's been healed. And the doctors uh, laughed at him and, and said, no, no, it's we did all the tests. And he absolutely demanded, I'm not going to go under the knife until you run all the tests and show me all the results. So finally, after a lot of arguments, the doctors consent and saying, okay, you're paying for it. And he said, sure. And then he uh, uh, gets the, the results. The doctors are completely dumbfounded. He says, this can't be. And he says, why it is? And he said, I knew I had been healed and I have no cancer. There are so many stories out there like this where somebody is told they're going to die or they can't be healed or they, they're terminal or whatever. And um, their path is to stay. And oftentimes a miracle will be set up like this. But it's Michael always talks about this particular one as he was the last in the line. 
yes. of people that this man had gone to. You want to talk a little bit about yeah. that? So it's like, you know, he's done everything. Uh, the the bride who called me said, you created a miracle. I, I told her, no, I didn't create that miracle. It happened because this man did everything right. He did everything that he needed to do. And I just happened to be the last person in the reception line shaking his hand, and that's all he needed was a little validation. Somebody who had enough certainty, awareness, and power to support him in what he's already done, and just that last little bit allowed everything to happen. But he did a lot of work over the last you know, year, whatever it was, and got himself to that place where he can have the miracle. That's pretty amazing. Well, we're coming up on our first break. And while we're on the first break, why don't you go on to your phone or computer and check out our website, michaeltamura.com, T-A-M as in Mary, U-R-A, michaeltamura.com, for all our upcoming events. We have a wonderful teleclass series going on called You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think, Developing Your Soul Abilities for Your Spiritual Growth and Fulfillment. The next class is Saturday, July 28th from 10 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific Time. This one is titled, Know Your Future to Live Your Present, The Purpose for Developing Precognition. When we return in a couple of minutes, we'll continue with Miracles of Healing. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Becoming an authentic, fearless, fabulous speaker will get you noticed as an expert and an influencer. Be sure to join Abigail Rebecca for Present Your Power. Our program features entrepreneurs, experts, and speakers who will inspire and show you how to tap into your power, own your authentic voice, and speak your truth on stage, in video presentations, and everyday business life. Everyone has a fierce and fabulous speaker inside. It's time to own your authentic voice. Listen live every Tuesday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you're lost in the dating world and need GPS, if you're stuck in dating hell and can't get out, if you're in need of a dating intervention, then Done Being Single with host Trevor and Robbie Sharp is your lifeline to love. From hookups to happily ever after, learn how to navigate single life and find the one. Tune in to Done Being Single, Saturdays, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. 
Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're exploring how you can learn about miracles of healing. There are so many stories, and part of the uh, reason why we're talking about this because all the ep- other episodes we have been talking about energy and how to start to be aware of your own energy and what you do with your thoughts and what you do with your energy. And so a lot of times when a person is approaching that space of creating a miracle, there has been energy work happening, whether maybe you're aware of it or not. Sometimes it's a change of attitude. Sometimes it's a complete turnaround about where you're coming from. So just as an example about energy, which I think is kind of interesting, is let's say housekeepers. You know, I really treasure any housekeeper that has worked in my house because when they do a good job, they leave really great energy in my house. Um, I knew of a housekeeper one time we had hired for, when Michael's father was still alive, we'd hired her uh, to clean his dad's house. And she was telling me a story. She was also a clairvoyant and, and a spiritual healer, and she was doing her housekeeping to make money and uh, take care of herself. And she said one day she was in, she had um, done the meditations and run her energy and was in a really great space. And she was at somebody's house uh, wiping a table, which is the short end of the table, or rather the long end of the table, was against a wall. And she said she was wiping the table and her hand slipped and went right into the wall. Now, how does something like that happen? Now, this wasn't necessarily a miracle of healing, but it's kind of a miracle because she had her vibration in that really high space of giving a good house cleaning to somebody. And her vibration was so high that when her hand slipped into a little, uh, let's say, dimensional opening, it actually went in. Yes, it's all energy. Everything in life, everything in the world is energy, including our bodies, including the wall and table, everything. And so my experience, and this was a miracle uh, that I wrote about in my book, You Are the Answer, it was, uh, I was in the middle of a bank robbery. <laughs> and uh, it was, a, it's a long story, but uh, the short version of it is that I've been working for a whole year in meditating on being more in amusement. Every time I had my monthly meditation, special one I had, of meditating on, okay, God, what's, what's my next step? What, what do I need to learn? What do I need to put my attention on? And month after month for an entire year, I got the answer, you need to have more amusement. And here, I wasn't a sourpuss or a serious person. I had a lot of laughter. I, I had a lot of fun. I was laughing a lot. And I had a lot of amusement. But so I thought, oh, well, this is fun. This is my, you know, one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> so so this will be fun to practice. Well, this is for all of you. If you decide on developing anything, like having more amusement in your life, 
it's not going to come up all uh, fun and laughter. What's going to happen in your life is very difficult things, uh, things that you would not be laughing about normally will come up. It's, it's almost like a test. It's to, because if everything's funny already, then you're not going to learn anything. You already can laugh at funny stuff. But serious things, difficult things, challenging things, and scary things can happen. And you have to remind yourself, oh, yeah, I'm here to learn to be in amusement, even in relationship to, let's say, a bank robbery. So the bank robbery that I ended up being in the middle of um, was... Like the final exam after 12 months of practicing. Then I find myself the only person in the bank standing besides the two bank robbers and the assistant manager that one of the bank robbers had a gun to his head saying, open the vault. Well, the other gunman was standing like about two feet, two and a half, three feet in front of me. And I was in so much amusement inside. I wasn't laughing out loud. I was looking at the the humor. Why am I the only person amongst like 70 people in the bank who are all face down, uh, spread eagle, on the floor? And the second gunman is saying, you know, shut up, uh, keep your head down, or else I'm going to blow your head out, uh, your brains out. And he's standing right in front of me. And every time he swings his gun around to point at somebody who moved or made a sound to threaten them, the gun, the, the barrel of the gun is right in, my, in front of my face, going back and forth in front of my face. And I'm even thinking to myself, I hope he doesn't sneeze while he's going from one side to the other and accidentally shoot the gun in my face. I was in so much amusement And I finally realized this gunman couldn't see me. I was standing because I never heard their, uh, uh, what do you call it, instructions or or demand that everybody get down on the floor. Tell them what you were doing. The FBI most wanted. Oh, (laughs) when the the, uh, bank robbers came into the bank, I was staring at and studying the, there was a little tiny thing on the, the merchant's counter uh, where I was waiting for some papers um, that said, FBI 10 most wanted. <laughs> and it had mugshots or, or surveillance photographs of the bank robbers from different banks that are, you know, there was a red line across the ones that's been apprehended already. But uh, the ones that were didn't have the red line said, you know, at large. So I was studying the auras. <laughs> this is what a psychic does for, for entertainment while, <laughs> while, while waiting, waiting in, in line. line. <laughs> and so when the bank robbers came in and yelled at everybody to get down on the floor or, you know, we'll blow your head out, I missed it. <laughs> Typical. And so, so then by the time I turned around to find out why is it so quiet in the bank all of a sudden, Everybody's on the floor except these two gunmen and the assistant manager who's being led to the uh, door of the vault. And you. And me, standing in front of this gunman. So anyway, long story short, um, 
this happens, and I afterwards I, I'm really looking at, how come they didn't see me? That's the only reason they didn't shoot me or they didn't order me to get down on the floor and or hit me or something. They didn't see me at all. And in this time, I was able to uh, talk to God and said, hey, am I supposed to do something about this? And I get instantly, the answer was, no, this is not your karma. Stay out of it. But it wasn't until I saw something happen with the gunman who had the assistant manager, uh, this other really gnarly being, angry, in rage, wants to see blood and guts kind of a being, psychotic being, comes into the body and the mind of that bank robber. Until then, I didn't think he was going to shoot anybody. But once that other being came in, it was pretty clear he was going to start shooting. And so I told God, I said, they're going to start shooting. People are going to get hurt or killed. And and I put them to up to God. And then, boom, that being was gone in a flash. And that gunman was completely disoriented. The other one said, we've been here too long. He had to run out the building without his sidekick. <laughs> so the other guy, after a while, shakes him, his head and then runs out after him so nobody got hurt. That was several miracles all in one. And when I reflected upon it, just like Raphael said about this other woman, a housekeeper cleaning the, uh, and, and her hand going into the wall miraculously, miraculously, these gunmen did not see me because my vibration was too high. Almost in another dimension. Yeah, could say. as far as they were concerned, I was not there. They're in such a low vibration of rage and and fear uh, and, and violence that uh, they couldn't see where I was. I was just in great amusement and joy in spite of being in the middle of the uh, bank robbery. So this, when I was, uh, when Raphael's giving the introduction, uh, she mentioned that when miracles happen, we think about it as an event, like the bank robbery, or like when the housekeeper's hand went through the wall, or when the cancer disappeared, things like that. But the effects of it go on and on. So this bank robbery, uh, afterwards, I was detained for three and a half hours. <laughs> and I was wondering, Everybody else, all the customers, the only people remaining in the bank were the head, you know, the, the managers, the assistant managers of the bank. Even the employees were let go and let, uh, they can go home for the day and because of the trauma. Uh, but I'm sitting there. I filed my report, three-page handwritten report early on, and I was wondering why I was being detained. Finally, I see the head FBI agent, special agent, coming in charge, coming, walking from the office of the bank toward me. He's beelining and looking at me, so I knew he was coming to talk to me. And as he got closer, he's smiling. So I thought, oh, that's <laughs> that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> and when he finally arrived, he throws on the desk I was sitting behind these, you know, eight by ten glossies, 
of the surveillance photos. Back in the day when they used 8 by 10 glasses. Yeah, it wasn't digital yet. And, and uh, he's laughing and says, Reverend Tamura, I'm so sorry to detain you for so long. But as you, if you would inspect these surveillance photographs from the surveillance cameras, you might you know, understand why I had to check you out with everybody, everything, backwards and forwards, because from these photos, doesn't it look like you're the mastermind of the bank robbery? <laughs> because I'm standing right in front of this bank robber with a gun, and he's not doing anything to me. And I'm in between this guy and the other bank robber in the surveillance photo. And I'm wearing this bright blue uh, Hawaiian flowered shirt. <laughs> you couldn't miss him on a physical level. <laughs> so anyway, he's going, okay. But I read your report. I talked to every bank employee. They all know you. You're a longtime customer. Nobody uh, uh, said that you would have anything to do with this bank robbery. And we corroborated their statements with other information. So thank you for staying. And thank you for your comprehensive report. One more question. How did you see all of that, that you wrote, all the details uh, you wrote in the report. Everybody else wrote like one sentence or three sentences. He, I said, well, everyone else had their face to the floor. I was the only one standing. I watched everything because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me his card. He says, well, if you decide ever to change your career, please come and see me. I would love to have you on my team. <laughs> Maybe you could tell the little follow-up story that happened a number of years later. Yeah. So then, well, several, several stories. stories yeah. Three years later, uh, this is the ripple effect of miracles. Three years later, uh, I'm in charge of my organization, nonprofit organization, and the bank and us, The we had, you know, like 12 accounts, two of them. Completely, there's no match. It's it's off by ten thousand dollars. We check our side. The bank apparently checked theirs, and we can't come to. It's a complete standoff. Neither of us can find an error, and but yet it's ten thousand dollars off or more than. So I'm asking to be, you know, up higher level at the bank, higher level because whoever I'm talking to can't don't have the authority. Finally, I'm at the senior vice president of the entire uh, bank, a big, big bank, and of the, in charge of the entire Western District of, of the United States. I'm talking to her, and she said, are you, your name is Japanese, right? I said, yeah, and you're in Berkeley. Are you the one that was at the bank robbery back in, you know, three years ago or four years ago? And I said, yeah. And I recognized her voice. She was the one who unlocked the bank to let me out after the interrogation of the FBI. And she said, I thought so. Thank you. I know you had something to do with nobody getting hurt. I was so happy that you were in the bank when it happened, even if it was an inconvenience to you. We owe you one. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of everything. 
And so it is. And maybe you could tell the third story when we come back. back. Uh, We've got our second break coming right up. Uh, When we return, we'll continue our exploration of miracles of healing. Be sure to to check out our website, michaeltamora.com. That's our brand new website and has all some really great information about our events coming up. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show. Hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you sometimes feel that you are powerless and control over your own life? We all face challenges in our lives that we can overcome. Just ask Chantel, the host of Chantel Inspires. She has overcome so many challenges in her life and has successfully emerged as the victor rather than the victim. Speaking from personal experience and also from the experiences of her guests, she is here to help you turn the downs into ups and be your best self. Tune in Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com It's your world. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. It's good to have you back, and welcome to those of you just joining us. Our topic today is Miracles of Healing. And Michael was telling his incredible story about the bank robbery and then the after effect, and there was a third after effect. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, the third part of the story is like seven, ten years, almost close to 10 years later after the actual bank robbery, I'm teaching a seminar, weekend seminar in Northern California. And I noticed this guy sitting in the back, back of the room. He was like, even behind, he pulled his chair back behind the back road. So there's, he's way back in the back. And he had his arms crossed, his legs out. And, you know. Not looking like a happy kid. No, he's 
that during the uh, first part of the seminar, he's kind of got a uh, very serious face. And, and the attitude was, yeah, prove it. Yeah, prove it. Yeah, prove it. So I rarely get people like that in my, uh, especially weekend seminars. You know, they don't want to commit to a, a long weekend <laughs> when when they're not sure if they really want to have this thing or not. But I thought, well, once in a while I get somebody like that. But I work with them and everything, and I address things that I see in him and during the course of the seminar. During the course of the seminar, he starts to smile. He starts to laugh. And at the end of the day, or at the end of the, he stayed for the whole weekend. At the end of the weekend, I'm uh, uh, signing books and everything, and he comes up after I talk to other people, and he has me sign a book. And he says, yes, this is not for me. I already have a copy, but this is for a friend I want to give it to. And I said, oh, great. I said, you enjoy the weekend. You stayed the whole weekend. I didn't know if you were going to stay the whole weekend or the first day even. He said, oh, yeah. Well, when I first came, I I was looking at you. <laughs> he said, I'm a former cop. <laughs> and I said, yeah. He says, I, I'm a skeptic. And, and I read your book. And, well, let me tell you, I love your book. But... The first time I read your book, I was enjoying your stories, and I thought, well, I don't know, you know, these are pretty fantastic stories, but but um, I don't know anything about psychic or spiritual anything. So, yeah, I mean, he could make it all up or anything. But then you tell this story about this bank robbery uh, in Berkeley, California. And I said, yeah. He said, well, I was a Berkeley cop back around the same time period. You were treading on his territory. And I'm a cop, and I pride myself on having been, I'm retired now, but I've been a really good cop. So this is my territory you're talking about, my city, my territory, but I wasn't on the beat at that time, so I didn't get called for that bank robbery. And I said, God, this guy is full of it, <laughs> uh, reading your story. And this doesn't happen the way he, he wrote it. And so then he goes, then I thought, no, I'm a former cop. I have access to information. He says it's in Berkeley. He tells what bank it was. Okay, I can trace this and find out if it really happened, if he was there, and what the deal was. And, and then he said, and then I realized... I have another, my, one of my best friends from my cop days is, was a Berkeley cop. I call him up and I said, do you know at this year at this bank, uh, was there a bank robbery? And, and, and then the guy says, oh, that's interesting that you're talking about it. I was the first one on the scene. And, and he goes, you were? And he goes, we got to have lunch. I need to talk to you. So, <laughs> so he tells, the, uh, he says, I want to listen to your story first before I tell you why I'm so interested in this case. And this guy who was in my class said his friend told him exact detail, step by step, he, like I wrote it in my book. And he said, 
So this guy was telling the truth. This really happened this way. And of course, the psychic part, the spiritual part that I wrote in the book about the backstory, of course, the other cop couldn't, you know. Possibly have known. Yeah, or confirm. But everything else on the physical end of it, uh, right down to the blue Hawaiian shirt and the surveillance photographs and me being the chief suspect at first with the FBI was all confirmed. <laughs> and in fact, this guy, the other cop who was first responder, remembered me, remembered this Japanese guy with the Hawaiian shirt and, and that I was the main suspect at first. So isn't that amazing? And, and then the robbers were caught very quickly. Uh, and the FBI guy said, because of my report, uh, they were, uh, it really speeded up the process. So this was seven, eight, eight, nine, ten years after. And still, and so this man started to study with me for a few, several years after that because of the bank robbery and what happened there. And it got written in the book and on and on and on. So it keeps on going. It certainly does. And um, just to mention, Michael talked about his book. The name of the book is You Are the Answer, and, and the bank robbery story is in there in full, um, amongst many, many stories. And it's it's a wonderful book and can be found on Amazon, or you can call our office if you want to get a copy. It's about discovering your sole purpose and fulfilling it. Yes. So miracles come in every form. And one of the things I wanted to talk about in the bank robbery story is Michael got the information. It wasn't his karma. And obviously, it wasn't the karma of any single person that was in the bank excepting for between the robbers and the bank. And so the miracle was created. Michael was called into the bank three times. Five times. Five times that That day before he got there, (laughs) before the robbers happened. So the energy was up. Yes. And Spirit was looking after all the people that were to be in the bank, which included Michael's former wife. He was married before, and she was one of the ones hiding under a table or something in terror, just like everybody else. Um, I'm glad it wasn't me, <laughs> for sure, but it was an incredible miracle. And I wanted to talk about an, another type of miracle that happened um, for me. It's a much shorter story, fortunately. But it's a similar thing. I got to dig into myself for an ability I didn't know I had. And it has only come up a couple times in my entire life when necessary. You know, like the, the car that falls on the on the child and the mother can, the 90-pound the mother can lift the car up kind of a story. Only this is at a distance. I was working for an accounting firm in Palo Alto. And I was often sent to the bank, which was about three blocks away. And the landscape there, I, was, I worked uh, there in, in an office where uh, the land went down and up and down and up to the bank. So I had to kind of go over a little knoll and down into the lower parking lot and then up again. Well, I'm walking partway across the, the parking lot in the lower part. And I noticed um, there were these two very elderly ladies that were trying to get down to the parking lot from the knoll on the other side, only it was dirt. There were no steps. And they were both in high heel shoes, or at least heeled shoes. 
um, you know, a little higher than normal. So it was very awkward for them. And I noticed them. For some reason, my attention went up to them. I'm Here I am holding this money bag to take to the bank. And I noticed them trying to walk down this little knoll. And one of them stumbled and started to go down. And it would have been straight down head first because it was a very steep little knoll. And all I could think of at the time in my mind was, no stop. And I put my hand up and I just directed it right at her third chakra. And just like that character in, in the uh, TV show Charmed, I was able to stop her in midair. She actually was at this very weird angle, kind of hanging out with her feet off the ground. And her friend was so stunned, it actually took about a second for her friend to turn around and grab her other friend that was uh, stuck in midair like that. She grabbed her, and then and then everything went back into real time, mm-hmm. and she did not fall down. And they were able to very carefully hold on to each other and walk down. And I, and I tried to walk over to them to make sure they were okay, and they couldn't even look at me. Yes. <laughs> so they they looked away and walked away really fast. And I thought, okay, well, I didn't know I had that ability, and it only came has come up in dire emergencies where the karma was right, where the energy was right. I was in a good enough space to actually do that. I had my attention uh, in the right place. It's sort of like being in the right place at the right time. And it's not that I have any fantastic abilities beyond anyone else. A lot of people can do this sort of thing and just don't notice it. And so what is it that, that brings about the miracle? Miracle is all the time, all the time. Spirit is making it available all the time. But for many of us, it's a rare occasion. Why is it? And why is it that for Raphael and myself, we've had so many being part of it, being in it, of miracles. I mean, we can go on and on for weeks telling you stories about miracles, you know, from warts disappearing to, <laughs> you know, all kinds of uh, people's lives, uh, uh, many people who decided not to commit suicide just because uh, we had a five-minute conversation. And so all these things happen, amazing things happen. I've been looking at, well, what kind of space was I in? Well, we talk about in most all of our episodes, grounding. Uh, that connection from the first chakra by the base of your spine to the center of the earth and just letting everything go, letting everything be. That's every time I was in some kind of a miracle space, I was grounded or I grounded myself right away after the initial, oh no, kind of a situation. And then I found the center of my head and found neutrality. Because those two are key as along with a higher vibration of amuse at least amusement, happiness, contentment. Uh, being amused about something is a highest the lowest of the high energy vibrations where miracles can start to reveal themselves. And so at the bank robbery, I was in total amusement inside. When I was facing a, a serious injury or death, 
many times in my life, all of a sudden time stops. I'm not thinking of anything. Just like Raphael, when she put her hand up, the whole, her whole mind was on stopping this woman from going over and hurting herself. So every experience that I've ever experienced of miracle, I had no other thought in my mind. I was completely present to the situation, whether I was 70 feet under the water in the ocean, <laughs> not being able to breathe, or I was flying in midair, tumbling uh, off of a ski, uh, uh, off of a ski slope. And whatever it was, it was in present time, right here, right now. So what Michael's talking about is, you know, as you do these practices, you become much more aware of what's going on around you and with you, and you have much more capability of doing something about it, including, I have a favorite quote from the Bible, actually, with God, all things are possible. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that when the going gets tough or even impossible. When I bring God into the formula, when I bring spirit into the formula, that's the key to having miracles, one of them. Well, we're, our show is about up, but I wanted to talk about something. Join us in the beauty and sacred energies of Mount Shasta, California for an unforgettable inner divinity retreat, August 10th through August 12th. That's Friday to Sunday, paving the road to freedom, responding to life joyously to live your destiny now. You'll have over 16 hours of workshops over three days, retreat with Michael and me, as well as an optional whole day of being with us for enlightening discussions, wonderful stories, snacks, group dinner, and lots of laughs for a three-day retreat. You'll learn a lot to help you live much more of the miracle that is your life. Go to our website to check out our calendar. Join us next Wednesday right here on Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora for a profound look into clairvoyance, see the truth, and set yourself free. Please remember to tell all your friends about our show and share it on social media. Check our website, michaeltamora.com, about our new teleclass series. You might be more psychic than you think. Developing Your Soul Abilities for Your Spiritual Growth and Fulfillment. On Saturday, July 28th from 10 a.m. to 12 noon time will be our next teleclass, Know Your Future to Live Your Present, the purpose for developing precognition. Until then, be inspired. Use your imagination and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora. Thank you so very much for joining us. We'll see you next Next week. week. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.